the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's time for Talk Law Radio with Todd Marquardt. Todd Marquardt, attorney at law in Texas. If you're a millionaire or a thousandaire, Talk Law Radio is now on the air. Call in with your business law question, your elder law question. Veteran aid, Medicaid, build a business to get paid. 210-308-8867. Or ask a question online at marquardlawfirm.com. That's M-A-R-Q-U-A-R-D-T, lawfirm.com. And now, it's Talk Law Radio with Todd Marquardt. Welcome to Talk Law Radio. I'm Todd Marquardt. This is KLUP, 9.30 a.m. The Answer. And uh, we'll be talking about uh, businesses that have commercial office, retail, or industrial space. I'm going to be talking with Scott McMurrian, and we'll discuss the commercial real estate market, including how construction costs increases have or are continuing to affect the commercial lease transactions, sublease trends, and why some businesses or business people should consider sublease opportunities. Also, when termination language should be considered in your lease agreements. And if we have time, we'll talk about an article in the San Antonio Business Journal describing how remote work might be driving an office office real estate apocalypse as buildings sit empty in a also a morning brew news article about some city mayors who want developers to convert unused downtown offices into apartments. Tell your friends to listen to Talk Law Radio at KLUP nine thirty AM radio podcasts everywhere, Facebook Live, YouTube, and TalkLawRadio.com. Before we get started talking about the law, let's begin with prayer. Dear God, thank you for this day. Thank you for all the gifts and blessings that you give to us. Please forgive us for our sins, for our mistakes, for doing the wrong thing or failing to follow your will. Please help Scott McMurrian and me give good information to the listeners about commercial real estate for office, retail, and industrial businesses today. Help us to use the gifts and talents you have provided for the good of your people, for our own good, and for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now it's time to discover your legal issue blind spots by listening to me talk about the law on the radio. So today we're going to be talking about commercial real estate with Scott McMurrian. It's been a while, but you were on the show way back when. It was October 2019. Or just a few days ago. Yeah, it was just uh, prior to the uh, COVID-19 pandemic. Nobody saw that coming. Yeah, and so life changed for all of us just a few months after that. And uh, you can talk a little bit about that if you want. But since it's been a while, I wanted to ask you to tell the listeners a little bit about yourself and your business. How did you get into commercial real estate? Well, thank you very much. I appreciate it. It's a treasure to be with you again. Uh, I love to tell that story because to me it's a God story. I never wanted to be in real estate, and I didn't want to be in commercial real estate. But... uh, by God's hand, I ended up in real estate in Tyler, Texas, and then he made a major move, got my attention, and brought me to San Antonio to do commercial real estate in 1995. And within a few months, I realized I don't just like it. I really enjoy it. I just couldn't see the blessing coming. I really mm-hmm. thought this was something I was going to endure. I didn't realize it was going to be something I would enjoy and that I would be doing it all this time. Yeah. And you so I, I'm very, very blessed 
uh, the joy of getting to do something that is super satisfying, I know not everybody gets that. What is it about it that is super satisfying? Well, in a naive way, I thought about commercial real estate as just a bunch of number crunching, boring. I didn't... uh, I didn't see the people's side of it for some reason until I was completely in it. You're still dealing with people and people problems and the challenges of being a gracious, truth-telling servant to people when dealing with money Mm -hmm. is always challenging. And when people give you their trust, you realize that is... That's a precious thing that has to be handled well. And when you see it come out the other end and the process is finished and they are delighted with their decision, that's extremely gratifying. I can see that because uh, on from the business owner perspective, uh, I've been there. You helped me at, uh, three times. I was nervous, worried, <laughs> and uh, confused at times and, and just uh, wanting to get something good that I could afford. Exactly. I was recently asked, can you tell us quickly what you do? I said, well, the best answer I can give is I spend hundreds of hours a year with business decision owners nonprofits, professionals of all kinds, and trying to wade through some myths in real estate, help them identify what do you want to do, where do you want to go, how do you want to get there, and then they begin to understand what my role is. I'm not a decision maker. I'm an educator. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes I am a, a provocateur. I'm the nudger. When people get stuck, yeah, you know, and so I, I give them a professional nudge and say, "We are losing time, and, we're, and therefore we are now losing leverage." Yeah, and we only have so many business points in which we can, you know, apply pressure to get the best deal from landlords. Well, you know, business owners need that because they're also getting nudged by other people too. Well, that's exactly right. I that I. That term didn't even come up, uh, I don't believe, out loud, maybe in my mind. But a couple of years ago, I was working for an engineering firm, and they were extraordinarily busy. The the partner that was in charge of the real estate decision, that's who I spent most of my time with. And at one point, I just approached him and said, do I have permission to nudge you? And he knew exactly what I meant. Mm -hmm. He said, yes, it's the only way we're going to get there. Yeah. He was working weekends. Yeah. His life and his attention span was so consumed with doing what he was excellent at that he just had to tear away to turn for a few minutes and focus and make decisions. We started a year early, and if I hadn't asked the question about nudging, honestly, I think we'd have been behind the eight ball. Right. In, in, in terms of finally being able to narrow down the choices, make decisions. So something you're working on is helping people understand that timeline. Um, are you going to have a lease expiring within the next 18 months? Why is that sort of a magic number for you? It used to be, in my mind, I would think, oh, if we're talking three to six months before your lease expires, that's going to be plenty of time. But over the years, it's become obvious to me that conversations need to begin much sooner. You know from your own practice that what you're thinking about in early 2019 could change dramatically from to early 2020 because mm-hmm. life happens. Yeah. There's changes within, there are external pressures and changes in the market. And so it's not like you're making a decision 18 months in advance, but you're beginning to discuss, here's where my business has been, here's where it's going. My best guess is this is what we need. It may even be a conversation where my client is telling me, we're really pretty comfortable right where we are. 
um, we, we may need to grow some, and I'm not sure if we can do it here. Yeah. But all those conversations, if you have a starting point, then you can begin to uh, set the stage on the calendar for follow-up conversations and then getting increasingly active. But all along the way, I'm educating my client on what is happening in the office market. Yeah. Well, this is a good start to our conversation about the market and about what these uh, news reporters are saying about it. Uh, compared to what you think and so we want to dive a little deeper in the next segment stay tuned we're going to take a break to become financially successful and now that you are do you want to learn how to leave a legendary legacy todd marcourt attorney for marcourt law firm will be hosting a lunch seminar with joseph warren with financial planning hq on july 26th from 11 to 2 at alamo cafe on highway 281 you'll learn how your financial success can make the world a better place for one person your family or your community rsvp by calling 210-530-4278 or marcourtlawfirm.com that's marcourtlawfirm.com 9.30 a.m. The answer. Welcome back to Talk Law Radio. I'm Todd Marquardt on KLUP 9.30 a.m. The answer. Also, podcasts everywhere. Facebook Live, YouTube, and TalkLawRadio.com. You can go to TalkLawRadio.com to listen to previous episodes. You can search by subject, and you can go to YouTube, if you want to watch these episodes in bite-sized 10-minute segments, we have that as well. Today, we're talking to Scott McMurrian, who's a commercial real estate broker, about office space, retail space, industrial space, and he mentioned before the break that you should start thinking about whether you want to stay or whether you want to leave 18 months before the lease comes up so that you can start talking about options. Well, let's get into some of the numbers that you brought, Scott. Um, What do you want to talk about first? Well, all segments of the marketplace are interesting if it's the market you're in. If if you're in retail, you kind of want to know what's going on in the retail market, industrial likewise, Mm -hmm. and the office. Mm -hmm. But I'll start with office, and we can switch to whatever category uh, we have time to. But there is so much national news that would suggest, I'm going to use the word in the the article you referenced, apocalyptic. Right. And as you know, we're a tenant representation firmly. It's what we do every day, all day, is taking care of business people, not representing landlords. So my peers around the country have been telling me sad sack stories about how low the activity's been, mm-hmm. how much vacancy there is. Um, their, their business has been struggling. Um, that has fortunately been picking up and been changing. But compared to Texas, they are in an ap- apocalyptic state. Okay. Because it's just the world is not, not rebounding at all compared to what we're seeing. It's not like Texas. Texas is a bit different. It's remarkably different. I thank God every day that I get to, you know, have my family in San Antonio and get to do business here. So say something more about the way you run your business because you're an original. You're a little bit different than the way most other Uh, commercial real estate brokers work? Thank you. I appreciate the question. There are a lot of outstanding people uh, practicing commercial real estate, and I enjoy working with many of them. There are many areas you can specialize in in commercial real estate, or you can choose to to wear a really big hat where you just do a little bit of everything. Mm -hmm. That's not how God wired me. I do best when I focus on one or two things. And 
a number of years ago before I started my company, I realized there's a lot of conflict of interest in real estate. You cannot be on both sides and and not see it. And so I made a decision that, it, that I would start a tenant representation practice so that my clients would never have to wonder, whose side are you really on? Mm-hmm. And so we're 100% every day on the side of business people and nonprofits when they're having to make real estate decisions. In a way, I feel like we're their temporary real estate department without being on their payroll. Right. And so we just come along at the right time. Uh, we get introduced to a lot of our clients. A lot of our clients are calling us back. for Over the years, we get to work with the same people. We work with really smart people. Our best clients are very sharp. They're very good at what they do, but they have enough humility to recognize what they don't know, and they're willing to ask. I see a real estate transaction from the chair of the business person because I am one. And all of us are trying to mitigate our risks. Well, you can't mitigate your risks on a large financial decision, usually without a team. And let me give an example. Playing my role is very important, but I can't fill all roles. I'm not an environmental specialist. I don't mm-hmm. do asbestos reports. I don't give them legal advice. Yeah. I don't do architectural work. And we could go on and on. There Ultimately, depending on what you're facing, your team could be relatively small or it might necessarily be rather large because you're trying to mitigate risks and eventually go down the tunnel to a good decision that you can live with. Right. Okay, so you only represent tenants, people that are looking to lease the space, and and so you were about to talk about uh, numbers about how the market here is locally. Yes, I want to jump into these numbers, but I would have uh, my hand slapped by people who love me, like my wife, if I didn't also say, we help people buy property when they don't want to lease anymore. Oh, okay. And so if I always talk about what I do 90% of the time, we can forget there's the other side of the equation. Mm Mm-hmm. We help people do buy-lease analysis because I don't know what's in their best interest till we dive in. But that's another conversation. I do want to talk about the office market. There are a lot of vacancies. You don't have to be a rocket scientist. You drive down some of the major roads, 1604, and you look over, and it, it's like parking lot seems like it's pretty empty here. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you stop and look in windows, there's vacancies in the retail stores. And so... From just that perspective, you can think, why in the world are the rates so high when there's so much vacancy? Well, we have more vacancy than we did last year. We certainly have more than we, the pre-pandemic of COVID, and it is strongly influenced by how many people are able to work from home. That's actually turned out in an interesting way to be a good and a bad thing, that in Employers can keep good people by giving the, uh, them the option to work from home. Now, here's an overall sweeping statement based on my practice and what I'm seeing in my conversations with my peers is a lot of people are going back to work for their own reasons. Um, owners are discovering productivity is actually higher. There's more synergy. There's all kinds of reasons for people to come back, but it's not a one-size-fits-all. So the market has all this millions of square feet of office space, and there's more vacancy. So what does that tell you? Supply and demand is tilted in favor of the tenant. Right. But it's it's very interesting. We've got like 191 million square feet of office space. We have 13% vacancy. That sounds pretty high. It is, but it's splendid compared to other major cities around the country. Uh, Our average uh, rental rate is $28 a square foot. That's just an average. There's certainly a lot less, and there are significantly higher rents than that. But for perspective, Austin has 132 million square feet. Their vacancy is 16%. Okay. 
and their rate is $44 a foot. Oh, wow. So it kind of leads you back to scratching your head thinking, okay, high vacancy rate, I should be seeing awesome deals. That's what I would think. You're not entirely (laughs) wrong. It gets back a little bit to starting early. Is if you're patient and you have an early plan and you have some flexibility about where you can go, landlords are getting nervous. And that creates opportunities not to beat them up, but to be sure that you're getting closer and closer to the lowest end of the range of value that makes any sense for the market we're in. We can't make the market up. We just want to function really well in it. Yeah. And so by being thorough and constantly investigating new things that are coming on the market, finding three, four, five options that work, that puts pressure on the landlord to win the deal. They have to make concessions, and they know it. So besides the rate, what are some other factors that could make it a better deal? That's a very, very good question. Over the last few years, one of the things that has killed some transactions has been the cost of construction. The landlord does not have a money tree. Uh They've gotten a certain amount of money that they have set aside for construction. And if a tenant comes along, wants to be in the space, but the cost to prepare that space exceeds the number that the landlord can tolerate, well, there are two choices. The tenant can make up the difference and bring a check to the table, and that actually does happen in some cases. Or we can get a longer lease so the landlord can amortize all those additional expenses. And that's actually happening quite a lot. It has been over the last three years. Coming out of coming out of COVID, everybody probably remembers clearly we were frozen for a while. There was right. not, very little activity. But I could sense demand was just kind of tied up, but it was still there. And before 2020 was over with, I was already starting to get busy again. 2021, outstanding. 2022, was solid. 2023, the first couple of months were shaky and slow. And ironically, I found out it's sort of tied to the confidence index of CEOs. Oh. But as that started tweaking and moving in the right direction, it's like somebody slammed the door wide open in March, and I have been busy ever since. That's awesome. It it is awesome. (laughs) I'm grateful. I know where my blessings come from. I can't make anything happen. Yeah. I just try to be faithful with the work God gives me to do. Amen. Okay, so... What about the big boys? Let's talk about what USAA is doing. I I read this article in in the most recent business journal about USAA asking their employees to come back to work. And and you mentioned some of those uh, ideal characteristics for for business, the synergy of having people in the office. Yes. USAA surprised me when they stayed – in a sense, closed. The doors were closed, um, not for business, but not for employees. Mm-hmm. Uh, everybody stayed home, probably except essential personnel. And they stayed that way long after the pandemic right. was over with, which is just, I just was puzzled by it. But slowly over the last year, they've returned to normalcy. As you know, you, you mentioned a few minutes ago, they went and laid off a bunch of people, and then they stabilized, and then they start hiring again. But not only are they saying it, but people that I know in the with USAA are saying, yeah, we're working four days a week. Okay. We get to stay at home one day. We're working from there. Mm-hmm. But more and more, their employees are showing up. In smaller businesses, where sometimes it's harder to compete for good employees – the employer is under more pressure to be accommodating right? to not lose somebody that's very valuable to the company. Mm-hmm. But most people that are part of a company, they look at the reality of it and they realize, what do I need to do to be more productive? What do I need to, to help our company win? 
and they're willing to adjust and come in maybe three days a week, whereas before, you know, a year before, they would have said, nope, I'm at home the whole time. Right. So the employment market has uh, some bearing on the commercial real estate market. It does. It does. There, there are huge economic factors, and we can talk about some of the things that are going to affect commercial real estate in general in our next segment. Okay, great. Thank you for that transition. So we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we'll talk about what Scott said. We'll also be talking about the saints and sinners, so stay tuned. back to Talk Law Radio. I'm Todd Marquardt here with commercial real estate broker Scott McMurray and with uh, Bottom Line. Uh, you'll have to tell us what Bottom Line is all about, how you came up with that name, because I know that was a, a big deal for you when you made that name change. Thank you. It's funny. It's been a number of years back, but when I started my company, it was Bonnie Commercial Real Estate Services. I named it after my son and daughter. Mm-hmm. Uh, her name means beautiful, Bonnie, and Eric, his name means strong one. So okay. I wanted my company to bring a beautiful strength to the negotiation table Yeah, in our business. That's it all well and good, and people would ask about the name, and I'd explain it. But all the other times, the name was hard to hear, and it didn't connect to what I I do. Right. And so in 2015, late 2015, I shared the idea with my wife. I said, something's been kind of rolling around in my head now for months, and I've got to get it out. And either we do it or don't do it. I said, I think we need to be changing the name of the company to Bottom Line Something. Because there's two things that are constant in business decisions. It's our bottom line values, and it's our financial bottom line. Right. We're trying to be good stewards with the money God has given us to handle. And we have to think through, is this a financially sound decision? And real estate's one important component of many the decision makers have to make. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, Since it's our third segment, we also like to talk about the sinners and saints. So the reason I like to talk about sinners and saints is because uh, I agree with Martin Luther, the the theologian who uh, nailed the 95 Thesis to the, the church door in year 1517. He said, the saints are sinners too, but they're forgiven and absolved. And so I, I just came up with this uh this segment where I wanted to talk about something that uh, somebody was doing wrong and and pray for them and hope that they, they get better and talk about somebody who did something right. Uh, mm-hmm. That's the saint of the week. So this week, the, uh, the center of the week is Noah Calderon, a 22-year-old man from Burleson, Texas, which is near Fort Worth. Uh, he pled guilty recently for possession of an unregistered firearm and possession of child pornography. And police later found materials at his house to create homemade bombs. So he hasn't been sentenced yet, but he'll be facing 10 to 20 years in prison. So I pray that he'll find God and God will uh help him to be forgiven. Uh, I know it's not ha- not easy to forgive people for doing uh, catastrophic things like he was planning, uh, but I leave that in God's hands. Also, the, uh, the saint for the week is uh, Tony Bennett. I wanted to uh, recognize Tony Bennett, the musician, the singer, 
who sang jazz and popular music. He died uh, yesterday, Friday, July 21st, 2023. And I, I just wanted to honor him for his excellence in music. So I call him a saint. Pretty remarkable. Was He, he was 96, right? I think so. I couldn't believe enter, entertaining he could be for so long. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he he was uh, in San Antonio a few times over his career as well. I, I read that um, the first rodeo concert he ever did was the San Antonio Rodeo. Wow, that's remarkable. <laughs> okay, let's get back to real estate. Um, something you wanted to mention was how does new construction affect uh, existing space? Yes, on the surface, it's a supply and demand issue. The more space that comes on the market and there's already vacancy, it's putting continued pressure on landlords and their real estate teams to try to win and compete and get tenants in the building and get the tenants that they already have to stay. Now, the irony of that is if you're an existing tenant in that building, you're not going to see a great offer from them unless they're absolutely convinced you're looking around and that you might leave, Mm -hmm. which is another reason people hire us is we have to at least create the appearance that you're going to leave or you will never see a good offer from the landlord. I think that's a big point. So when I ask people or, or, or pose the thought, should you stay or should you go? I don't have the answer to that question, but regardless it makes sense to have a good strategy so that you stay well or that you go and plan well to, to, to go. Right. So they can call you and you can talk to the landlord representative and at least you've made an appearance. Oh, my goodness. The minute they know that there is a tenant rep broker involved, they start thinking, there, that tenant that we didn't think was going anywhere is looking around. Mm-hmm. And so that was like the first nail of leverage just got pounded in. Great. It's amazing. But we were, you and I were talking about the pressure of the marketplace. And one of the things that people don't realize is when the economics are going badly for landlords, yes, it creates opportunity for tenants not to be ignored at all. But the, there's a factor that affects deals that are not obvious. And that is that most landlords have a lender. And if their building is not performing the way they expected it to when they went to get the loan, it's not long before there's not a landlord and a tenant making a decision. There's a landlord and a tenant and a banker making a decision. And so one of the things that's confusing to the casual observer is, Why are they not making this deal? Why did this not happen? Well, probably the lender didn't give permission. To lower the rate. Or to spend the more money on the construction. okay, right. There's a lot of ways lenders literally kill deals for landlords. Mm -hmm. Everybody, the joke in our industry has been for years and years is great bankers make loans on real estate all the time. But they're not good in the real estate industry. You don't ever want a bank to own property because they don't know what to do with it. Mm -hmm. But it does affect the deals on Main Street. So as a business person, you think, well, what am I going to do with that? Well, again, let's look at where are you in your timeline? How soon is it that you have to begin to make decisions? Well, don't be frustrated that you're not going to be able to make a decision for next year and you actually need to make one in six months. Let's just do the best we can with the marketplace and what we can gather together for intelligence and create pressure. One of those elements is subleases. Okay. Some businesses need to seriously consider hunkering down, protecting their capital, If they're anticipating a storm, either in their industry or external to their industry that could affect them, their bottom line, if you will allow me, then they may decide, I'm willing to go somewhere I ordinarily would not go, but it's certainly not going to hurt me. I'll go find a space, 
that gives me all the room I need, and I'm going to be able to play, pay under market rates. Now, why would they do that? Well, sublease space, by its very definition, is unwanted space. People hire me. My clients hire me. Other brokers around the city, same thing. They get hired to get rid of space that a company no longer needs. Here it's just sitting on their books, costing them month after month after month. If it's a small mom and pop, that cash flow hurts a lot. Yeah. They need to solve that problem any way they can. If it's a big uh, corporate type of entity, they just want to get it off their books. It doesn't look good. And so the advantage to the tenant, if the space happens to work for them, is let's say this is a $32 a square foot building. Well, in a sublease space where there's reasonable motivation from the tenant that has that space but doesn't need it anymore, you might be able to get it at 25 or $26 a foot. Maybe you get it at 28 or 29 dollars a foot, but you just you also just got all the furniture for free. Yeah, you know, I had a friend uh, that was a solo practitioner lawyer years ago, and he was excited about being in a Class A building. He just subleased from a big law firm. That's a, that's a similar concept. Mm-hmm. Is if they have extra space that's not producing any income to them. It's better for them to take a cut, a little hit, and get something versus nothing. Right. And if you're a solo practice, practicing attorney, you can you can use that to your advantage and get it for a lower cost and be in a space that you probably couldn't normally afford. The amount of, the amount of subly space in this market is growing. Okay, so people can call you and ask you about that. Do you want to say what your phone number is or your sure. website? Now, people could call me at 210-598-4431, or you can call my cell phone, 210-535-7800. Okay, we got to take another break, and we'll be talking about legacy and also more about commercial real estate, so stay tuned. to become financially successful and now that you are do you want to learn how to leave a legendary legacy todd marcourt attorney for marcourt law firm will be hosting a lunch seminar with joseph warren with financial planning hq on july 26th from 11 to 2 at alamo cafe on highway 281 you'll learn how your financial success can make the world a better place for one person your family or your community rsvp by calling 210-530-4278 or marcourtlawfirm.com that's marcourtlawfirm.com 930 AM. Welcome back to Talk Law Radio. I'm Todd Marquardt, uh, 930 AM The Answer. Podcasts everywhere, YouTube Live, not YouTube Live, Facebook Live, (laughs) and YouTube. Um, So I'm here with Scott McMurrian, and we're talking about commercial real estate. Uh, Where do we go next? I would like to talk about putting something that we language we put into leases in certain cases that could be so meaningful as most people know that have done leases before you don't get everything you ask for but if you don't ask for it you're certainly not going to get it and one of those categories is a termination clause now that's just a broad statement, but let me give you some details. Right. Examples of uh, different ways that you might want to get out. Exactly. Landlord wants a long-term lease. You don't want a long-term lease. The only reason you don't want a long-term lease is you think, well, I'm anticipating my business growing. I'm in this 5,000 feet. If I take this deal for five years, what if three years from now I need twice as much space? Mm Mm-hmm. That makes you anxious about signing a long-term lease. In that situation, what we would attempt to negotiate is 
a five-year lease, many other things, but I'm just staying on this particular conversation, this point, and we would say, but we need a termination clause that in the event you need to grow by at least 30% more than your current space, and if the landlord cannot provide a solution to that space need within 180 days, you have the right to give written notice of your intent to terminate the lease. Without penalty. Well, that would be ideal, <laughs> but it's not the real world. Okay. However, think of the cost of being in a space for two years when it didn't work for your business. Mm-hmm. Now, that's a penalty. So if all you had to do is write the landlord a check for any expenses he incurred that were not fully amortized compared to the rent that you would have paid for space that no longer was working for you, that's a very, very good exchange. It's one example of a termination clause that sometimes we can get a landlord to agree to. Early in my career, we would ask for a termination clause We just wanted the the tenant to have the right with a certain amount of notice just to terminate the lease. Mm -hmm. And that wasn't working very well. Nobody, no landlord wants a termination clause of any kind. But then I began to realize as I practiced and did this more and and learned what was working around the country, I began to understand we have to tie the termination clause to a specific event. For example, your long-term plan is you want to own your own building. And you see that very likely to happen in in three or four years. Well, you have to have somewhere to work between now and then. And maybe the best deal that you can get in the marketplace right now happens to be a five-year lease. You want it, but you don't want your hands tied. Right. So we fight hard to get a termination clause that in the event you put a building under contract or built one, you could give the landlord lots of advance notice and terminate the lease at a set date. That way you're not stuck, and the landlords often more often agree to that type of a termination clause because it's tied to a specific event. And in their, in their experience, a lot of people want to build a building or buy a building mm-hmm. that they never do. Yeah. So they're not feeling as much risk. I see. But even if you did... You gave them enough notice that they've got a chance to recoup their loss and get a new tenant. Another clause connected to termination that people rarely think of, and it sounds a little morbid, but a lot of my clients are older and doing like I am. They still enjoy their work. They're not retiring, not going anywhere. The oldest one is in his 80s, and uh, I thought he was going to stop last year, and then we renewed the lease again. Mm-hmm. But it has a death or disability clause in the lease that in the event of either thing occurring, again, with proper notice, the lease can be terminated in the, in the event of death. It was not going to you know, matter to their heirs. They wouldn't have this cost of this real estate hanging right, over their head. Right, That makes a lot of sense. One thing that is, uh, has come up in the last few years that – most people wouldn't think about, and I, and I often find even people in my industry don't think about it very much, and sadly we should. Normally in a transaction between a landlord and a tenant, the landlord is concerned about the creditworthiness of the tenant, right? Right. Understandably, he's got a big asset. He's spending some money. He may be putting money into construction, paying commissions, all that's happening. He wants to be sure that there's a reasonable likelihood that tenant can pay the bills. Well, now that's still fair and still common, but it's becoming more common for the tenant broker to be asking questions about the financial steadiness of the landlord. Because landlords' financial situations can become very tenuous. Uh There are situations in San Antonio right now that I'm aware of where landlords have deferred maintenance on their building because they're in financial trouble in other areas. Maybe their their golden, you know, business became less golden. Yeah. And it's reversed course. And now there are tenants in the building that no longer have working perhaps elevators. Or air conditioners. One clause that, that you – 
came up with the idea when I was looking one time was if the air conditioner stops working, then the tenant can stop paying. <laughs> yeah, in the event they don't repair it within a reasonable amount of right, time, right. That, that can't just go on in per- perpetuity. We wanted to be sure the landlord was financially incentivized get this thing fixed reasonably quick. Yeah. It, things happen to everybody. All buildings experience something, but you want a landlord who is financially capable and professionally motivated to do the right thing. Yeah. And in that case, uh, they were. Yeah. We did have some air conditioning trouble one time, but um, the an, another thing that I've seen with some commercial real estate owners is uh, when somebody dies on their end and what happens next. Well, we, we saw uh, uh, another buyer come in and, and buy it from the estate of the deceased person, and, the, and that just changed things. It wasn't really good or bad. It just mm-hmm. we saw changes. There are so many subtle things that go, that need to be considered into a lease that are not just how much am I going to pay mm-hmm. and is the floor plan going to work for me. Those are really important things, but there's so many other things that go into that whole bundle of the conversation we started earlier of how do I professionally and wisely solve this business decision, this real estate decision, and mitigate my risks. And I've gotten a couple of calls over the years of just uh, tenants that were upset with the landlord um, before they even got started. And so, well, you don't have to work with that person. You know, go find somewhere else. But they're they're already emotionally invested in in that space because they've been planning how to use it and whatnot. I have told my clients many times over the years. I said, don't take my word for it. I'll give you my opinion about this landlord or about this building. I'll tell you what I know. But there's no substitute for taking a few minutes and going and knocking on doors and meeting some of the tenants that are in that building Mm -hmm. and just ask them, how do you like it here? How do they do when something goes wrong? Yeah, that's that's some good advice. Since this is our last segment, we got to talk about legacy since Marquardt Law Firm sponsors the show, and uh, we focus on legacy there. And now, it's time for the Talk Law Radio Legacy Spotlight. What's your legacy? Sponsored by Marquardt Law Firm. So, Scott, you, you can say whatever you want about legacy, um, whether you've valued something that was passed down to you, um, family heirlooms, assets, property, or values and and family tradition, or maybe something that you've been thinking about. You mentioned your kids uh, passing something down to them. What does legacy mean to you? Well, that's a great question that I'm happy to speak to. Before I get into the detail, I want to tell you, like a lot of your listeners, I've lost my mother-in-law, I lost my mom, and my uh, and my sister and a brother all in the last oh, few I'm years. Sorry. And I so appreciate the importance of what you do, of helping families prepare as much as possible to not make a bad situation worse mm-hmm. by not having a will, powers of attorney, financial powers of uh, all the things that mm-hmm. have to happen right. so that you can actually solve a problem. Um, my wife was the executrix um, for her mom and dad. I did that for my mom. I had no idea what a job it was. And so we appreciate uh, family law and, and the and the preparation for things that are going to come you. one way or the other. Yeah. But to, to to your point, there's something that my mom and dad shared with me many times over the years that stuck with me, and I think it's worthwhile. And that is, don't confuse economic wealth with class. I love that. 
I didn't even know we were lower middle class growing up in Tyler, Texas. Mm -hmm. it, it, it didn't matter. My family was respected. We had lots of friends um, with challenges like everybody else. But I remember many times my parents making the point, you dress well, you conduct yourself well, you be a good student, you learn, and you work hard. No, having money has nothing to do with any of this. Not having money is not an excuse for not doing these right. things, for being gracious and kind and polite to other people. It is a lifestyle based on character, not on finances. Awesome. I love that. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. It's been a joy to be with you this morning. Yeah. So the, like I said, the legacy segment comes from uh, our work doing wills and trusts, but also uh, the greatest legacy comes from Jesus. Oh, amen. His death uh, gave us an inheritance of eternal life. We are so grateful that we have an eternal hope. Amen. Thank you for joining me. Thank you. Thank you for talking about commercial real estate and office space and all of that. If uh, you have questions, if you're a business owner or if you know a business owner, tell them to call Scott. Thanks. We'll talk to you later. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. And I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.